We have the ability to define success. It's all about their vision and then making sure you align their vision with their work ethic. I wanted to be the hero, man. I wanted to save kids. That was my job. That's what I was going to do. This is SB Live's The Prep Slab with TJ Cottrell, the podcast where you will hear authentic conversations about how things get done in high school athletics. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit scorebooklive.com slash Washington to access all the Prep Slab podcasts, as well as statewide high school sports news, features, photos, highlights, and more. Well, today, many student-athletes and parents feel the pressure of chasing a scholarship to play college sports and the pressure to chase the myriad avenues that might help them achieve those dreams. So we're talking with longtime O'Day football coach and athletic director, Monty Kohler, who is the winningest active coach in high school football with more than 340 career wins. In his more than 35 years since he took over at the Seattle Bay School, he has coached a number of players who would be college and even NFL athletes, those who were heavily recruited and plenty who weren't. He's joining us today, though, to talk about his experiences helping so many of his athletes over the years reach their dreams of playing beyond high school and some of the biggest misconceptions and challenges facing student-athletes today in chasing that dream. Coach Kohler, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you bet. You're welcome. Well, let's start off with your experience seeing the vast number of students at O'Day, not just those in your football program, but those you've also overseen in your role as the AD there, uh, who have gone on to continue playing in college and beyond. What are a few of the characteristics and traits that you see commonalities with in them that maybe help them in their dreams of going and playing college? Well, I would say probably the, I mean, obviously there's a baseline talent. I mean, they're good. They're good athletes. Um, and so, I mean, that's the, probably the number one thing. But I think the second thing is, you know, they have a passion or a love uh, to play the game. I mean, that's the most important thing after that. They they can't get enough. They're, they're hungry. Um, the good ones, um, you know, they, they, they would work out here, then they would go and work out on their own and, and then find another time to work out. Uh, I mean, they could never get enough, uh, whether it was working out or playing. You know, they just didn't p- pay lip service to it. it. It was something that was important to them. Now, for some kids, they came in as a freshman, sophomore, they, you know, and that, that, that was the way they were. They were motivated and driven, but some, you know, that switch goes on usually after the sophomore year. I mean, going into that junior year, it's just like, oh, this is what I want to do now. I I see that I have the talent. God has blessed me with some talent and skill, and now I need to, you know, take that to the next level. And they do it for the right reasons. They do it for the love of the game. So that that's really kind of important. Well, it's just like you mentioned there. There's so many facets that go into this, with the biggest facet being skill and talent. But then there are uh, many we see that seemingly have that skill and talent, but then they don't move on because they don't have that love of the game and passion, the drive to want to grow and get better and learn. Like you said, so many facets can impact your ability to be able to move on. But this year, there's just so many other challenges added to that. Normally, recruiting is so dependent on game tape, whether that's from your Friday night highlights in football or your game tape from your high school basketball games or whatever sport it may be. But the restrictions brought on by the pandemic have obviously altered that landscape dramatically, as has a provision from the NCAA that um, college athletes are should be granted an extra year of eligibility. So what to you can this year's high school athletes, especially as seniors, 
do if they still dream of playing at that next level? Well, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's just these poor seniors, uh, you know, my heart just breaks for them. I mean, they, that what they've had to go through and, you know, my understanding one football wise now is that they still have the same number. Again, this is like division one schools, PAC 12 schools. I mean, they have the same number of scholarships, so they're not, um, you know, they're, they're not going to get hit by, oh, there's no scholarship for you. So the seniors that come back, instead of 85, they can have 105 on their roster and 105 scholarships uh, by NCAA rule. Now each institution will have a different way of dealing with that and et cetera. So um, I think for, for the most part, I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult on, on, on a second tier of kids. But, you know, the, the, the Apollos or Owen Prentices, I mean, the, the UW was full before. I mean, they, they, their class was full football-wise. You know, there's one or two kids, I'm sure, that were right there on the bubble that might have lost uh, that opportunity. But for the most part, you know, their 23, 25 scholarships were full, and they were already looking um, at the next year. So hopefully our juniors will play this spring and that they'll get this opportunity to get that film out and, and they won't be uh, hit or hurt uh, at that top end level. Um, you know, that middle level kid, they're the ones that are just going to, we're going to have to fight and scrape and do whatever we can to get film out. Um, and, and again, but since recruiting's on hold, for those schools and uh, a lot of schools, you know, don't even know if they're going to have, you know, that, that middle tier, the big sky level, kind of the, uh, those, what they're going to do. So uh, there's still opportunities for kids, uh, um, you know, because they're the number, you know, they're, whether they're going to take in, in state, out of state, what, how many they're going to have those kind of things. So hopefully we just get back on track and, and things open up and, and, and these kids will have an opportunity um, and, and as you know, that uh, the landscape out there with the transfer portal and, and kids leaving uh, the May, all institutions, uh, you know, so things are going to move and, and, and the dynamics are changing completely for these kids. Um, but as kids leave schools, obviously, then more scholarships are going to open up. And, you know, so we'll kind of have a better feel after that second signing date on what is available for that second tier kid. And, and I've heard some schools um, say, yeah, we're saving some for scholarship for the kids that'll be playing uh, in the spring. And when you have California not playing football, I think that helps uh, in a sense, there's a, uh, you know, a lot of athletes in California, a lot of schools in California. So, you know, that, that there's a rippling effect that'll take place into Oregon and Washington and other schools that were not fortunate enough to play football this past fall i mean i just can't imagine what some of these seniors are going through emotionally and mentally because of all this and the stress that comes with that hopefully we can get back to a non-pandemic landscape soon but it's not like there weren't challenges already as it was and i imagine you've seen just about the full gambit of recruiting stories whether it was someone recruited by just about every college basketball program in the country like paul banchero or heavily recruited athletes in your football program like Miles Gaskin, Taylor Mays, or now with Owen Prentice, but also the athletes who had to scratch and claw until the final hour just to get someone to take a chance on them. So how do you and how should coaches and other programs best help students in any of those circumstances? 
And how does your role differ in how you navigate being there and helping both the highly recruited and the barely recruited athletes in your program? Well, again, each kid is different and it, and it probably doesn't really matter what level they're going to. Some kids are dialed in, mom and dad are tuned in and they know. And, and there you just give them some guidance, some information, and you really try to understand that if, if it's Apollo, if it's an Owen, if it's a Miles Gaskin, a TaylorMade, those kids you want to just say, this is going to become overwhelming. So you just need to get ahead of it, get in control of it. Um, and there it's not about, oh, we got to worry about you know, they're going to get, they have the offer. And so, you know, you just want to give them enough information that they're in control of it and it's not overwhelming and, and that it doesn't become a, a negative process. It, it should not be something that these kids are just, oh God, I'm, thank God it's over. But that a lot of times that that's what happens. Um, with the other kids, it's, you know, you know, if they're going to in a walk-on situation or a, a middle uh, division kind of situation, you know, we, you know, we just really force, you know, let's get this together. Let's put this package together. Uh, give me what schools you're interested in. Look up your academics. You know, we're fortunate that, you know, our kids are, are, are want to go to college. Uh, it's not just about a- athletics. I mean, we, yes, some kids, that's the only reason they go to college. Um, but we have a lot of kids that are going to go to college and uh, period. And so we put that together and then we just, you know, on this day and age with huddle and the, the, how easy it is to get, uh, you know, their, their recruiting package to coaches. Um, and then, you know, you just got to, you know, and then I'll write a, a statement or a sentence or a paragraph in regards to our student athletes. And, and, and then really it comes down to, you know, the bottom line, it comes down for a football kid and for anything, I guess it comes, you know, the first and demo- foremost is film. I mean, you know, I mean, the talent, what we started this thing with, you got to have that baseline talent. Um, and, and that's the, the number one thing. And so with those kids, I mean, it's again, just getting that out. And I, I tell people all the time and, you know, I went, to, uh, you know, to Carroll College. So, I mean, there's a place for everybody. If you really want to play, there's a place for everybody. If it's that important to you, if you have that passion and that love and uh, there's a way, a place for you to play football. Um, If it's just about being recruited and you think, you know, I have to be D1, Division One, you know, that then you, then there's a reality check that has to come into play. But if it's for the game of football or the game, whatever game you're being recruited in, um, you know, there's a place for you. Especially right now, um, during this time where you don't necessarily have this senior game tape or junior game tape this year to present to coaches, how active should um, student athletes be in trying to get themselves recruited? And how active should coaches be trying to get that kid recruited as well? Well, I, I whether it's, uh, you know, in the situation we're in now or in general, the, the kids have to take part of that you know uh, again it's so I many old days with vhs tape and this and that that was impossible but again they, they can put the, i mean and there's so much i mean they create their highlight tape in a night and, and it's out and we're out we can reach uh, you know 15 20 coaches in one click of a button kind of thing so they need to be active uh, in it they, they in ownership piece of it and and that's at many levels it's not all of a sudden oh i want to play football you know if i want to play football i got to make sure i have the academics you know if you're a walk-on kid or something you know the first thing you do is got to get into that school 
Um, you know, so that that that's huge. So that academic piece, you got to you know build that resume all the way through. Um, you know, and, and you know, don't just uh, oh maybe I'll want to play. You you got to want to play, and then uh, you know force that issue. And, and again, this day and age, with I mean, you don't even have to use huddle. I've had I've asked college coaches, you know, do we need a service? Do these kids need services? I mean, you know, really, they, say, they don't even need huddle. Just YouTube, send us a YouTube video. I mean, they just that that's what we need to start with. And again, that's first and foremost. And 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 then you know the next thing will be character and grades. So kind of just uh, they have to have ownership. They have to be partners because um, that's the only way it's going to work. It doesn't, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, we've got kids that are great high school players and they're talented high school players and you think and and i had a kid uh, no nah, i'm done coach and that's great i mean that's their choice and i mean uh, more power to that person for knowing that uh that, that this is where i want to stop my my athletic endeavor and i just and so uh everybody goes through those processes and some kids get to that get it get there a little sooner than others well you kind of mentioned part of this topic about just the age of so far removed from the age of VHS tapes and having to go pay for the postage and wait a couple of days for it to get to coach and see what they think. And, um, but to you, where are some other most are the most glaring ways in which you've seen the recruiting landscape change over the years and what it takes for students to get to that next level, maybe now compared to past generations of athletes to coach, are there different or more challenges now or are there ways it's actually easier now compared to the routes of past generations? I don't think it's easier. I, you know, I guess it depends on what side you're on, uh, on that. I think because of social media, because of everything, I, I think there are some unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, I think in the old or old days, <laughs> a while back, I think, you know, that a, a division one athlete was defined. I mean, he was, you know, then, and then you had that bubble kid and then it was, you know, division one double a, and, you know, those kind of, and, you know, now I think, uh, you know, I think it works both ways. I think that, you know, some of the colleges don't work as hard, uh, in evaluation, um, in some, um, coaches and, and kids might think that their, their kid is, you know, uh, better, um, you know, I've seen both sides of that. I mean, we had a kid um, and he, he almost went to Carroll College. He, he ended up sitting out a fall. Um, I, I, I tried everywhere. I mean, I thought he was, a, you know, definitely a D1 kid and he had nothing. Um, and so I, you know, he was going to go to Carroll College starting in January and by um, just, uh, I, I knew the coach at Montana and and called him at the University of Montana, called him and said, hey, I got a kid. He's a deep, you know, he can play. Um, and uh, the, the kid said, all right, have him come over. So the kid flew over uh, on a Friday, had his visit. This is actually it's this weekend. It was Martin Luther King weekend um, um, back in 2008. And he flew over, had a visit. Came back on, on Monday, packed up and offered him a scholarship and he, he drove over Monday and started school on Tuesday. And then, but the point is the kid, I, we thought, I mean, I, again, a D1 player and he had, we had another lineman on that team that went to Oregon State and, and did, but this kid, All-America at the University of Montana, ends up uh, uh, two years on the Raider practice squad, you know, and it was like, 
well, what don't what's missing here? I mean, you know, and then I've got kids that you're going to offer him or whatever. I've seen that where, you know, somebody's offered. It's just so I think there's a some of it's missing. I don't know if it's uh, what's causing that, that that we're not getting. There are some misses and and that's, you know, kind of sad where, you know, I don't know if that's because a kid somehow got four stars before he earned his four stars or something like that. But, you know, you still have to evaluate the talent. You just can't go off of social media and the, and how many stars a kid might have. And, and you know, you, again, there's football players and that, that's what's missing. And kids, uh, you know, you, you can't hide if you're not a football player. Well, I think part of that's another lesson for, for coaches and and families too is the impact of a coach's relationship with other college coaches. The fact that you're able to just call the coach at University of Montana and say, "Hey, I've got a kid who's talented enough. Give him a shot." I mean, if the coach doesn't have a relationship, who knows where that kid ends up? You know, maybe he goes to Carroll. Maybe he doesn't end up at the Raider practice squad after that. So, uh, understanding your high school coach's relationship with these recruiters is, I think, an incredibly important facet of it too. Yeah, and that's uh, and again, think that the landscape has changed. I think uh, you know, and, the, and I still know, uh, and they do a great job of the West Coast. Um, you know, but the old days, you, you know, no kid. I mean, Ohio State didn't really recruit here. Uh, Alabama didn't recruit here. I mean, those things were just it. It just you know, it was you just never heard of it. And then all of a sudden, we got kids, you know, being offered here and all all over the country, which is great. Um, you know, but it was, there was just a few schools, Notre Dame and a couple of other that were kind of spot national recruiters, but everybody else is pretty much regional. Now, so many national and, um, and so anyway, it's harder to get to know, build relationships with a coach in Florida that you've never met where, you know, Oregon, Oregon State, USC, the you know, the Pac-12, those guys that have been around and, you know, some of those, uh, you know, Coach Hart, uh, Randy Hart, when he was, you know, at Washington, at Stanford, I mean, you know. 35 years of working with him and you know when he said something about one of our kids or if I said something about one of our kids I mean it was it was golden you know there was a trust relationship and and things like that that we uh, you know we believed and understood the truth there well I, I think one of another big difference is that it's really swelled and probably the past decade especially is the rise in this like sports specialization and year-round training. I know different coaches have different philosophies on specialization and whether they encourage it or not, and their relationship with outside training groups, their philosophies on that differs as well. But how do you uh, navigate those challenges? And what do you say to parents and students in your program who feel like all this pressure to specialize and sign up for every camp or pay for these travel teams and personal trainers? How do you navigate those conversations? Well, Again, I was I was the head track coach here for almost 30 years, so I, I believe, uh, you know, I again those are personal decisions. I, I um, and family decisions. Um, I would want to. I guess I w- would hope that the kids are able to experience um, other activities, other sports. Um, you know, I personally want kids to do as many things as possible. Um, you know, I have a son that's a junior and, you know, he, I want him to do as many sports as he, he, he wants to. Um, in regards to parents and their relation, you know, you, you know, one thing we'll never do is get in the, in the middle of a, 
uh, family dynamic there. But just make sure it's for the son, not the parent. Uh, you know that that that's if it uh, y- y- and you can kind of figure that out pretty early you know who's leading that charge and it's it's important that the the kid you know if a kid wants to specialize you know I, taylor didn't run track his senior year you know now he comes back and so that's the worst mistake i made you know that and that's the the stories and they're like you know anybody else it doesn't matter that you you tell them hey this is going to be a mistake you, you know i've had kids down this line and but it's not till five ten years later they said God, I should have run track or I should have played basketball or I should have played football, whatever it might be, you know. So, uh, you know, and then you listen, you know, uh, to you, you you read stuff, you listen to. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and um, you know, and, and in Texas, I mean, uh, their kids run track. I mean, do multiple sports. I mean, it's not. And, you know, think Texas. Well, I mean, I know that it's a little different. And they have different rules that guide them, but I probably didn't realize and actually being a track coach, how big track is in Texas. It's, I mean, it's huge. And so those kids, they, they've created that excitement. And, and so, you know, those football players, I mean, they do all course, all multiple sports, but again, they're definitely doing two sports for the, for the most part. And, you know, Texas is one of the heaviest recruited States in America. So it's kind of fun to hear and see that stuff. Um, but again, I just think as long as they do it for the right reason and and um, then it's OK. I mean, it's I would ne- I don't like that coaches say, you, you, you know, you can't play. Uh, you have to play basketball year round or you have to play football year round. No. I mean, uh, when I was a track coach, I, you know, our big kids were throwing shots and our skill kids were running hundreds and two hundreds. And, um, and tracks the best training you can get um, to get ready for football, period. So. No, I'm curious how maybe your your philosophies on that align with what you hear from recruiters. I'm sure you have conversations about this with college recruiters of what do you think about, you know, an athlete here doing this year round or going to these camps versus, you know, playing this sport and what do they see from it? How much is what you think align with what recruiters say about year round training and seven on seven football and personal trainers and how it helps them in terms of getting noticed? Well, again, staying with football, um, I would bet you that, and I, again, I, uh, for years, and I, I get, we get a lot of coaches that come through O'Day, and probably the second question, if not the second, the third question out of their mouth about the kid is, uh, what other sports do they do? I mean, they want to know. Uh, and um, I mean, so it's important uh, to college coaches that kids are competitive. Um, you know, if they're a track athlete, they, then they, you know, what did he run? What does he throw? Is he a basketball player? I mean, obviously if you're a basketball player, you already know the kind of athlete that person is. Um, so they want to know. And so they encourage kids to, to, I mean, they, they want kids to be multiple sport athletes. Um, and then, you know, you read all the stuff. I know some of it's hyped up, but, uh, you know, about such and such a draft, you know, uh, 30th the 32 kids were multi-sport athletes in high school and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and the, and the other part of it is enjoy it, have fun. I mean, it's not, you know, high school sports is not about recruiting. I mean, you know, whatever percent your each school is different in what percentage your kid, but every school it's 90% or below are not going on to college football. So let's have fun. I mean, and experience other coaches, 
experience other teammates and, and you know have fun with the game and and enjoy everything and, and take everything you can possibly learn from it and so that when you're, you're away from here or away from your high school that you're ready for life I mean that's the whole poor you know the point of sports is to try to teach you some life lessons and you know you're going to lose you're not going to be recruited you're not going to get the job all those things and it just um, it, it makes us all better and stronger uh, going through all those things that we can experience in multiple sports because each sport's different each sport has a different lesson to teach us oh that's fantastic yeah i love that i mean especially since you know there's i think it was um, the average uh, career span of an nfl football player i think it was about three and a half years in the nfl so even if you are that one percent of of kids who happen to make it to the NFL, maybe that lasts three years, and then what are you doing then? And what did you learn through the whole process? Did you enjoy it and have fun? I think that's obviously so lost in all this. But I want to get to this too because I can't imagine in 1985 you were worried about you know what athletes might be posting on TikTok or Snapchat and Twitter and <laughs> using social media. That's obviously become a big thing that's changed in this landscape too. And how recruiters and students use social media seems like a big facet in recruiting these days. How do you navigate with your players and the athletes in O'Day's athletic programs how to best use social media? Because it seems like there are just as many, if not more, negative consequences that can come from social media as there are positive. So how do you navigate how kids should handle it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, probably it's just part of the education process. You know, try to educate them, you know, um, to do it the right way if you're going to do it. and, and yeah, social media is just part of our their culture anyway. And so, you know, we need to try to educate the whole person. I mean, so if we're doing that and we're teaching them how to be a good human being and what's right and what's wrong, um, hopefully that'll take care of, they'll think twice before. Now we've had kids post some dumb things and, and you know, hopefully, and you know, we'll use examples, you know, see what happened here when this was posted. And, and, and these kids are, you know, the older kids anyway, are, 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 they're tuned into it. They, they have, they understand what's at stake. You know, it's, it's our kids that are coming in as freshmen. Um, they're just, they just don't know yet. So we had to get to those kids earlier and, and, you know, just, uh, try to, educate them uh, on what is right, what is wrong, what's appropriate, and then the consequences uh, if you do something. And that's part of a, you know, we kind of, a, not a curriculum to do that, but we have different avenues that we go through this with our student athletes and all of our students, actually, it's not our student athletes, about, you know, trying to, um, you know, do the right thing, understand the consequences. And uh, it will be, you know, <laughs> you post it, it's there for life. I mean, you are, it's not uh, something you said in a locker room that people forget. I mean, it's, it's, it's out there forever. And um, so it's definitely different. It's definitely scary. Um, and, you know, as an adult, we have a an opportunity and responsibility to educate them. Um, and it's not going to, you know, it's going to happen. We're going to have kids that are, you know, and we have, that's not, we're nobody's perfect. You know, our biggest thing is even, you know, before a rival game, just saying something dumb, 
you know, it's not that it has any consequences to it. It's not, you know, but it's just why give anybody any bulletin board material? I mean, you know, and, you know, if you can educate it at that level, then you got a chance at that level where it's going to come back and bite them and, and maybe cost them a, a scholarship or a school opportunity. Yeah, our, our, the last guest I had on this podcast was um, Alan Thomas, who's a basketball coach over at Timberline. He was saying he was talking to Jason Kerr, you know, your guys' O'Day basketball coach, because he said, for the longest time, I didn't allow any of my players to be on social media at all. Didn't want to deal with what they post after a loss or how it could reflect on us as a program and things like that. But he said, talking with Jason Kerr, he said that, well, they're going to, whether you tell them to, whether you allow it or not, they're going to be on social media. So we might as well teach them, like you said, the whole child approach, teach them to use it the right way uh, if they're going to be on it anyway. Uh, what advice would you give to players and to coaches as how to use it the right way? How can it be used for a benefit in the right way? Just the idea of thinking before you hit sand or whatever the buttons on there that you got to do just, you know, and goes back to some common sense things, you know, you know, if it's not positive, it just doesn't need to be posted. I mean, there's just, you know, we don't live in that. I mean, you know, we try not to live in any kind of negative or nasty world. I mean, you know, the idea, you know, um, and again, you know, we try. We, we do some different programs with our athletes and we'll, where we, um, you know, a boys to men program and, you know, the idea, you know, about educating, you know, trying to understand, you know, your mother and your sister and things like that, you know, what would they think, you, you know, uh, your family name, um, all of these things, um, would it make them proud? So just think before you do anything and, you know, these kids aren't dumb. I mean, they know, uh, uh, what's right and what's wrong, or they're, they're close to it. I mean, uh, I mean, so if we can just continue and push, just make them think. And before they, they hit that and put it out there, I think we got a chance. Um, and then we got to call it if they do it, uh, you know, we got to call it, call them on it. I mean, it's not, Hey, this is unacceptable. Or did you think, why, why did you do this? And then did you think before you did this and, or how could have you've done it differently? Um, you know, we just, again, we're as adults and as adult educators, we're, that's a, a lifetime deal of educating young men and, and ladies um, to do the right thing and, and develop um, as good model citizens. Um, and as a coach, and we have that extra hammer to really kind of um, drive that home on them. And then, you know, when you have your athletes doing the right thing, it can carry over and ripple over into a, a larger group of people. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I, I thought I asked this too, like for athletes who, who think they can play at the next level and they want to play beyond high school, but they don't just seem, they just don't seem to be getting that opportunity. Um, I mean, it was like that, the athlete you're talking about who, uh, he was set to go to Carroll College and didn't really have much else, and for some reason wasn't getting uh, what they thought they should have been getting. Or you think? Do you? But do you see any commonalities in some of those who pre um, that prevent them from getting those looks? Are there things you generally see that these students could have done or should have done differently, or you or other coaches should have do differently to to help them get these offers if they if they do, but they're not getting those looks? You know, I think there's a lot again, a lot of layers and levels to that. Um, I, I, you know, if a kid's good enough to play, he's going to play. I, I really believe that. Um, are there misses? Yes. Um, 
you know, some kids have taken that, that windy road, the JC, then, then this and that, and they get to where they, they, and I, those kids, I just love cause they, they just, it, 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 they just keep fighting and grinding to get it done. And, you know, they, they may be, that was the best thing for them cause they weren't ready right at high, out of high school to play at the level, um, you know, they thought they were going to, but they have to own it. They, there has to be an ownership in it and going back to that, again, a kind of that first question you asked about that passion, that love. And, you know, you see some kids that, um, again, college coaches now they'll, they'll say, they'll ask me, they'll say, you know, does he love to play the game or does he love to be recruited? You know, and so we, we, and that's a, that's a real, that's an interesting concept and where they're coming from. And some kids just want to be recruited. They don't want to really necessarily play, but they like that idea of somebody wanting them and, you know, and being able to post that I've been offered by so-and-so and whatever it might be. So, but you, it goes back to that love and that passion and, and, you know, they have to own it. They have to self-promote it. And, and then they, there's that, there, there's an avenue for those kids that want to play. I mean, it, there really is. And um, I mean, we all know those feel good stories of that kid that, um, you know, walked on and earned a scholarship and, and, and is a starter and, 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 you know, did those kind of things. So uh, there is an avenue. Uh, some kids bloom later. Some kids are just not mentally ready. Some kids are not physically ready. Um, so that, you know, there's a reason. Um, but for the most part, uh, you know, especially, you know, the, the D1 kid, that kid's going to get um, – for the most of the time he's going to get there's that one I mean, there's that one group there you know we had a kid that went to uh ended up at fresno and started as a true freshman and again that was it just you know we again thought he was a d1 kid i mean you know only other thing he had was a big sky offer and i'm thinking this kid you know go go and then he goes gets it and he ends up starting there i mean he could have uh you know there's some pac-12 schools i'm thinking why wouldn't you take this local kid and develop him for two years because he's got the, the the motor he's got this you know all those things you want in, in a kid and um you know and you know and see then you'll have him for two years as, as a player that you will be proud of and you know that that's i think you know maybe that's just the nature of the game now where kids leave early i don't know but it, it's like some they can't i have sometimes it's, i don't know if they see that the potential where he's going to be in two years. I mean, they want to see a finished high school product and you know, that that's just, I mean, very few kids are at that level. I mean, there are a few, but not that many. No, what I love about that is that if, if you do love it enough and you want to play enough, there's a spot for you. It might not be that glamorous D one school, PAC 12 school. You can go post on social media. You've been blessed to receive this offer. Um, but if you really want to play football, there's a lot of, great options out there and it's still college football even if it's not d1 that old saying of frosty you know make the big time where you're at you know that that rings true and i i hear that all the time from different people throughout the country it's it's awesome well um let's say you are one of those fortunate students who's able to secure a spot the next level one of that you know with six percent of students who want to play college sports uh and you realize your dream of doing that. Uh, for those who are able to get accepted, maybe on scholarship and are looking forward to playing college football, soccer, basketball, whatever it may be, in your experience, what are some of the biggest eye-openers you hear from some of those athletes when they come back or challenges these students face once that transition starts and they're no longer the high school star 
And what are some things they should know to help them prepare for that transition? That is different. I mean, it's, you know, and I can only speak to what, um, you know, really uh, our kids have said and, you know, and again, football, but it's different. You, as you know, and people say it all the time, it becomes more of a business. Um, so it, it's not about um, that brotherhood, that, that, that camaraderie, that, that locker room. I mean, it can get there, um, but it's harder at that next level. Um, and I, you know, I've I going into, I've had kids come back and say, you know, uh, well, I mean, one, they always say, you know, what we do at college is a lot easier than what you, that we had to do at O'Day. I mean, you know, the workouts and conditioning and the game, you know, and obviously part of that's because they're only playing one way, but you know, and they don't have to, you know, and they get all these rests and all that. But the, the other thing is that, you know, not, not everybody comes I mean, I remember talking miles that, you know, it, it, it was not really a kind of, I don't want to say this. I mean, not miles just assumed everybody wanted to win. I mean, you know, that was his, he just wanted to work hard and win. And, and so that's not the case at, at every, you know, I think you have to mold that and culture that. So as a junior and senior, those kids all want to win, but some kids coming in, you know, as a freshman, sophomore, I mean, they might, they might not know how to win. And so that was really a, a, something Miles had to work through and and um, that they're just at different levels in regards to um, how they approach the game. Um, I think, you know, M Miles, I believe was, you know, he was a, he was a, a kid that helped change a culture because he worked so hard and, and, and uh, but it was frustrating as a freshman, I think, because it, it, you know, and again, that was the first, the staff's kind of first year or two coach Pete's first year. And, but it was, you know, they, that was one of the reasons they recruited him because he worked so hard and he was such a great competitor. And, um, but, you know, so that thing that's different for kids, that idea of, um, not everybody's at the same level. Not everybody's as serious uh, uh, about it. And that's fine too, but you just, you, you don't expect that. You kind of come in and think everybody's there and ready and then be ready. And the other thing I heard a lot of coaches say is that make sure you're physically ready. You know, don't, you know, don't go in and trying to gain a bunch of weight and, you know, do all this stuff where you can't run and move. I mean, the game, all the, all games are about movement. And so, you know, don't uh, just be physically ready to, to be your best self on the field versus so that then the strength coach can put the weight on you. The strength coach can, you know, um, but if you go in and you, you're, uh, they take you out and run gassers or whatever they might do. And you, you make one or two, I mean, that strength coach is going to be, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, at that point, but just come in ready to work and, and ready to compete and, and then let, let them see that, Hey, this guy has what we, what we want. And then, uh, we'll, we'll build the rest. You know, he's got that, 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 that dog inside of him that wants to be great. That just seems like to be the, the theme throughout this is obviously skill is one thing, but there's that competitiveness, like you just talked about there, the the love of the game, the one, are you wanting to go in and win? And, and do you want to be in a culture where you're there to go win and you're not just there because uh, you look good in that Jersey? Um, I think that's, that's maybe something that a lot of kids might miss is this is one way, one route you can get to the next level. If you want to is if you just want it that bad and you're that committed to it, um, there are a lot of doors could open up for you. It sounds like. Oh, for sure. For sure. And then, you know, and those are the guys at any, at high school too. Uh, those guys that want it, 
you know, we win in O'Day. We obviously we've had talent. I mean, I'm not saying, but we win because of our program guys. The guys that are gonna, you know, uh, they're gonna die in the fourth quarter for us. You know, they're they're the ones that, yeah, they're never gonna play college football, but they just want to play. They're just there to, you know, compete and and leave it all on that field. And and then once in a while you get that special guy that's got that talent and got that dog or that heart and and, and he's got the the size and he passes the eye test and he's got the opportunity. And then those guys explode up into being, you know, national recruits or, uh, you know, play at every level they can. So that that's fun too. But, you know, those program players, those guys that, you know, at the, at the college level, they're never going to, those program players, they're never going to go to the NFL, but that's where the heart of your program is. And, and in high school, it's, they're not going to get a college scholarship, but that's where your heart of your program is because they're, they're willing to do all those things necessary to win. And they're great teammates. And, um, you know, they're as, you know, you hear more and more of it from the college coaches that they don't recruit guys that aren't good in the room anymore. You know, if there's not good in the receiver room or he's not good in the quarterback room. And that's refreshing to hear. There's a few of those college coaches out there. I mean, they're just really, you know, the character and the culture that a kid, I mean, how they're going to change or, or what they're, if they're, if they, you know, I think it was the Iowa state coach, the kids were saying that, you know, he asked, you know, what do you think of him? And if the kids don't like him, they don't recruit him kind of thing. So that's kind of important that some of that direction is happening at the next level. Yeah, it's encouraging to hear that, that they care about those things, that everything you teach in high school about how character matters and uh, why it does, you see it still translate to the next level too. It's not like that's totally out the window, even though, even if it is slightly more of a business, that those things still matter, even at the next level. And whether you're working a job or whatever you end up in life, that those things still uh, greatly matter. Um, to you, to you though, what are, maybe we'll close on this, what are the biggest misconceptions that you see student athletes have about the recruiting process and how to set themselves up to play beyond high school? Anything you didn't get a chance to say you think should be said? Um, I, I think I said it earlier. I mean, they have to own it. Um, you know, they, they can self-promote it. Um, you know, if uh, for myself, I mean, I was slow, small, and weak. Um, and so, and I had to walk on at Carroll college. So it tells you what kind of a play, but I, I love the game. I mean, you know, so I, I had a place, I didn't blame my high school coach or my parents or any of that. It was about the game. So, you know, you have to own and be realistic in, in, in where you're at and, and how important it is to you. Is it about the game or is it about the school? I mean, you can go and walk on anywhere kind of thing if that's what it is. And I think, you know, the, you know, it's, you know, I, it's film number one. And then you you can be a great high school player. Some of the best, in old days had great players. We've had great players, but some of the best high school players we've ever had, never played college football because they were 5'10". I mean, he might have been the best player on a state championship football team and or he ended up at a big sky school, you know, even though he's still one of the best players we have ever had because what he brought to the program, how he played. He didn't pass the eye test, you know, and colleges, I think, are worse than that than the pros. You know, that eye test is important, um, but film, you know, passing that eye test, uh, and then your grades and character, those things all come into play. And, you know, and I, I think coaches probably get too much credit and too much blame as well for some of that. Maybe, you know, here, you know, we've had 
obviously Paulo and basketball and, and but Taylor and Miles and Demetrius and Nate and et cetera. They're not I, they're not my guys. I mean, they belong to their parents. I, I mean, I can't say I I didn't do a damn thing to get any of those kids their college scholarship. You know, we kept them in the right line. They they got exposed. You know that. But this day and age, it's easy to get exposed. So you know that that they belongs to their parents. Uh, and you know, so it doesn't. They're not my guys. And so that's that's important that I don't try to, you know create something that's not there it's not real i mean they, they these kids they have to have the freedom to to understand that it's their choice that they're there because they've worked to get there i didn't do it for them they've they've put in the price and they've done everything uh, to earn that they've earned it themselves or and sometimes their parents gave them great genes too you know but uh it, they it, they earn it there it belongs to them and, and you bet i'm proud as heck when they they get it and they go and uh you know but uh, the thanks needs to go to their parents for making sure that um you know that they, they put them along that path I mean, before we got them, coach, so great. Uh, I hope I hope that this can uh, obviously be um, a lesson for so many people out there trying to navigate through this. And you've obviously been through so many of these experiences. So we really appreciate your time uh, committed to to talking with us today. And coach Kohler, thank you so much again. You bet, TJ. It's been great. Thank you. 